thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to tonight's show. This is Jamie Grace. And the song is called Just a Friend. So go ahead, check it out, listen to it. Feel free to share the show out if you want. And we will get started in a few minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Bareface. Yeah, he is.
All right, so that featured Manuel of Group One Crew. In case you didn't know that. <laughs> I don't even know how old that song is, but it's from the album Ready to Fly, which was probably, I'm going to say, at least a decade ago, something like that. <clears throat> Jamie is a lot older now. And been married for what? Just over a year? Just over a year. Yeah. And she's got a little girl, mm-hmm. Isabella the Brave, which yeah. which you can... Uh, she she is so cute, that little kid is. Uh, Jamie recently posted a picture. She did a um, a one-month picture of her, and and it was in the same, bas- uh, same pillow. She took a little picture of her at one month, and then she did two months. Her baby's two months old now. Yeah. And it's amazing to see how much she's grown yeah. in just that month. Those you know? first few months are yeah. pretty amazing. You know, I really love the message of that song. You know, she had her designs, whoever guy she was enamored with at the time that the song may be about. Mm-hmm. You know, photoshopping us together like I'm all yours kind of yeah. thing. Uh, uh, you know, but... You know, by the end, it's Lord, whatever you have, you know, and yep, you know, whatever. You know, if it's just if I have to be just a friend, well, then I'll be happy. I know because that's your plan, and that's that. And obviously, had another plan. Yep. Well, you know, I res- I I love her. I respect her and and her sister. I think that these are two preachers' kids who uh, were raised right. Yep. With a loving dad, loving and mom. Apparently lived right as well. They lived right. They, you know, PK is almost a proverb. Of <laughs> yep, they got married in white, to... in white boots. You yep. know, with the right white dress, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, and they did it right, and they've been a really good role model for um the people that God has called them to minister to, both young and old. Uh, so yeah, I highly recommend anything Jamie Grace does and her her uh, sister Morgan, um, because they give they give me hope. For the younger generation. I mean, they're young enough to be my kids, you know, and, and um, anyway, having had the, the privilege of having her on my show not too long ago was really cool. But even more cool was meeting her in person at, at the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles when she called my name. <laughs> that was kind of, that was so cool. So that forever, like, not I, maybe not forever, but that, that totally impressed me because so many people would not have done that. So, uh, yeah, so we picked this song because, you know, tonight Randall and I, we just got home from church and our pastor is going through um, the book of Revelation. Yeah, he is. And tonight he talked about the church of Pergamos. And, uh, and when we were listening, well, at least when I was listening, I don't know if Randall was listening, but I was, uh, you know, one of the things that came up, Hmm? what, did you say something? Why would I not be listening? I don't know. Because you think a lot, but. And I can't think and listen at the same time? What? Yeah, of course you can. Well, anyway. As you were. As I was. So I took notes. See, I have two pages of notes right there, right there. See. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so I think we should read. Let's read this like we did last week. And then we kind of use this as a springboard to jump into our conversation that we're going to look at the LGBT movement uh, going uh, goes beyond acceptance to seeking total totalitarian power. But I also think that we should start looking at Revelation chapter 2 
Uh, let's see, I'm going to use the Bible website that we usually use, so that way I pull it up the right one. And let's see here. And this will actually jump into a conversation that will jump us into the conversation that we're going to have. If that made any sense. Probably did. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's look at the New American Standard Version. Hey, everybody coming in. Thanks for coming in. Hope you need you... 77 or 95? Uh, I have no idea. I'm on Bible.cc, though. Mm. Well, I've got 77. There are minor differences, so whatever. What website are you using? Bible Hub. Okay, that's what I'm on. <clears throat> I just picked New American Standard. I didn't pick anything else. And then it gives you a secondary choice of 1977 or 1995 edition. Really? It didn't me. Oh, wow. Okay, what version are you using? Okay, I see it. 77. Over. All right, I'll click that. Because that's what you have in print. Okay, here it is. I did not know that. It's the first time I've seen that. Okay. All right, so the message to Pergamum. We're going to read just that little passage, and then I think uh, we'll be able to, you know, talk about it. All right, so this is what it says. And the angel of the church in Pergamum writes, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have, you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit, commit acts of idolatry. Thus, you also have some who in the same way hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. Repent, Sorry. therefore, or else I'm coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I'll, I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Mm -hmm. All right, so, so here we were. We're in the book of Revelation. And hey, hey Dr. Jennifer Fee. <laughs> Nice to see you. I should say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. So let's see who I can see. There's Melanie. Hello, Mel. Sharon. Hello. Mia, superhero paramedic. Hello. And Wanda. Hello. Freedom. Angie. Yeah, hi, Angie. Miss Lett. I don't know. Do I know you? I don't know if I know you. But anyway, hello. And whoever else there I can't see over on Periscope. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll flap at you later. No. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, I'm sure there's probably a couple of people over on YouTube. <clears throat> I don't know if anybody else is anywhere else, but whatever. If you happen to be watching the archive, hello. Thank you for watching the archive. <laughs> All right. Okay. And if you're on Twitch, hello, people. All right. So last night we looked at the, the death of Jeffrey Epstein. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to look at the, the persecuted church and also some of the news of the day. Um, but <clears throat> what really stood out to me 
in this passage after having listened to my pastor just teach on it tonight. Um, there, there were a couple of things, you know, one of the big things that stood out here was um, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this. Um, and, you know, of course, we know that that's the Lord. The word of God is the two-edged sword. We see that in Hebrews 11 where it talks about that. Hebrews 4. Hebrews, Hebrews 4. 4, verse 12. Yeah, verse 12, yeah. <laughs> yes. Ooh, should we look that up and read it? They just pretty much quote it. Huh? Yeah, true. Well, For anyway. the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing. Hey, Jeff. Or dividing the sunder, soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's something like that I'm probably... Combining a few different translations, but that's the whole thing. Um, with the that sharp, yeah, the, the word there talks about its pointiness, not its edge. Because right. when you sharpen a sword on both edges, it comes to a very sharp point, yep. and that's the whole point of the sharp two edged sword, as it says there in Hebrews 4 12, able to divide soul and spirit, able to judge and discern, you know the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When we look into the word of God, it not only... That's what song I should have opened with. Yeah, when it, when we look at the word of God, it not only reveals our behavior, but is able to discern our intentions. I love what Paul writes in Romans. He says, I would have not... Because he's talking about what you know, what good is the law then. He talks about the law being our, our teacher and showing us our sin. And he says, I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, thou shalt not covet. Right. And that's pretty profound, because thou shalt mur not murder. You know when you're not murdering, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know when you're not committing adultery. But covetousness speaks of an inward state. It's an attitude. It's not, an, it's not a sin of commission. It's a sin of intention. And so, you know, the word of God does that. And I love that of all, you know, commandments he could have picked he picked that one you know i wouldn't have not i would have not known covetousness unless the law said thou shalt not covet well and i i think that i think a lot of times believers struggle because and they don't read god's word because god's word does convict them and they don't want to they don't want to deal with it and go ahead i'm just thinking <laughs> that's all the reason i mean the spirit should convict us right whether or not we're reading the word but you know certainly the word you know the the written word of god uh certainly also is sharper than two any two-edged sword mm -hmm. uh and and also you know discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart uh that that's all the reason to read it you know instead of oh i don't want i I don't want to know my sin. I don't know where I want to. I don't want to know where I'm erring from the truth. Mm -hmm. I, I just think there's something wrong with that. Well, you know, I'm anyway, I bring this up because, you know, um, this church, the church of Smyrna is the church that compromised stealing per Pergamus or Pergamum. Pergamum. That's where we're at. That's what I meant. I knew, I knew that, but I okay, just, just in I case meant. they weren't able to read right. your mind, I wanted to. Nobody can read my mind. Certain people think they can, but they can't, just so you know. Anyway, okay, so the Church of Pergamum is, this is the compromised church, and this is kind of why I want to start with this, um, because 
Um, what really stood out to me tonight in the message my pastor gave was, um, was that the compromised church, God's going to come after you. Yep. <laughs> look, look at this in verse 16. It says, repent therefore, or else I'm coming to you quickly and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty like pointed, right? So, you know, so it starts out in verse 12 by saying the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, and he goes on to say what I just read a minute ago. But then, you know, he, he points out here um, a couple of things where the church was compromised. They were um, holding to the teaching of Balaam, and they were holding to the teaching of Balak. Um, and it says here, they wanted to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality, you know, and, he, and, and also the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Did I say it right? Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. Okay. So the compromised church, right? Um, and, you know, and yet at the same time, okay, so, so our pastor said, you know, they, uh, they held to these things. And, you know, of course, he drew quite a few parallels with today, I think, without really pulling that out a lot. But um, but there's there's two questions that came to my mind or two comments that actually came to my mind. And I'd like to just throw that out there. You guys can think about Wait here. Hold on. Throw it to you. Ready, people? OK. All right. So the first thing is, do you minimize your sin? Think about it. You know? There are a lot of people in the church who never confess any sin. Um, they actually don't believe they have any sin because they don't even think about sin because really they're not born again. So, you know, the Bible talks about if you confess your sin, you know, he is righteous and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But if you say that there isn't any sin in you, you call him a liar and the truth isn't in you. Right. So that was one question that came to my mind as the pastor was teaching this was, do you minimize your sin? You know, I woke up this morning and I was I woke up and I had some thoughts go through my mind and they were sinful thoughts. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. They were I was laying there and I'm like, really? First thing in the morning, you know, you're having this this thought. And I thought to myself, wow, should I act on that? You know, uh, should I act on that thought? And I thought, no, I'm not going to act on that thought. Um, and I was fully aware of it. And then I started thinking to myself, wow, you know, I could, I could totally act on that. Totally act on that thought, you know? Um, and then I laid there, I was like, I'm really tired. I should just go back to sleep. And then a little while later, I'm, you know, kind of come, coming around and, and that thought came back to me and I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to think on, I'm not going to think on this thought anymore because this is stupid. Because if I keep dwelling on this thought, then that's going to lead me down a path of sin. And, 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 you know, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that deals with that, right? But some people do minimize their sin. Um, they, they know things are not godly, but they do it anyway. You know, one of, one of the things that annoys me, just personally, is when people lie to me. 
and some people do lie to me and they know they lie to me and I know they're lying to me, but they might not know that I know that they're lying to me. And, you know, and then people go, oh, well, it's just a little white lie. They did it so they wouldn't hurt your feelings. Or maybe they didn't want to feel stupid telling you the truth or, or something like that. But the fact of the matter is, it's still, it's still a sin. You know, just because it's a little white lie doesn't mean it's not still sin. It's still a sin, right? So that was one thought that went through my mind as we were going through this thing. The second thought that went through my mind about this church was, bless the world, offend God. <laughs> you know what? Hey, people, let's just bless the world and offend God. And, and we see a lot of that today in the church when the church embraces sin and doesn't give a crap about what God's word says, you know. Um, and there, there are many areas where that's relevant. Like prosperity gospel is one of them. You know, the, the, the church will bless God and praise, or, or rather they'll, they'll bless the world by using God's name and claiming that prosperity is the only way and that God wants everybody to be rich and all this other stuff. But there's really no biblical precedent for that statement. And I have friends I love who would disagree with that comment, but there really isn't because the Bible says you're always going to have the poor with you. Jesus said that himself. And if Jesus said you're always going to have the poor with you, then what that tells me is that not everybody's supposed to be filthy, rich, and prosperous financially. Right? And we have a lot of brothers and sisters throughout the world that don't have anything, at least materially. They don't have the wealth that prosperity gospel pastors and fake prophetesses talk about all the time. So they, they bless the world system of, of the rich young ruler and they, and they embrace wealth at the same time offending God by breaking his commandment and not, not honoring God and putting him where he's supposed to be. So, and we do that with more morals too. You know, it was the other day I was, um, I was sitting on the exercise bike and talking to a friend of mine, uh, at the gym and, and we were, we were talking about, um, pickleball. Well, we, well, we were talking about pickleball, but then we were talking about the news and we ended up talking about the Catholic church and, and he explained to me, and I don't know if this is real or not, but one of the things he talked about was how, um, he said, do you know how it came to be that the Catholics ate um, fish on Friday? And I, I said, no, actually, I don't. I have no idea what the history of that is. And, and I'm just saying right now, I don't know if this is actually valid or not, but I have no reason not to believe this guy. But he was telling me how he was thrown out of the Catholic Church after, um, well, yeah, he got divorced. Yes, that's when it's all coming back. He got divorced, and then uh, the church said he either had to leave or he could get his wedding annulled and stay in the Catholic church. And it would cost him, I think he said something like 150,000 bucks. It was a ridiculous amount of money. And he's like, I don't know how I could get this annulled when I have two children or whatever many children he had. Um, but he said it was, it was basically ridiculous that they were, they were willing to take all this money in and then give him a, an annulment um, and, 
and and anyway, so his point was that they're they're focusing on the wealth. Well, he went on to tell me he said he said, oh yeah, the Vatican, the church, and all this other stuff is basically, you know, they the <clears throat> the whole reason historically. And I know some fact checker out there can figure this out. I'm just telling you what this guy told me. Um, he said the reason why there was fish on, you know, fish Fridays for, for those in the Catholic Church um, is because uh, the people who were selling fish during the Depression or whatever it was that they instituted that, they weren't making any money. And so they needed to make money and bring business to the fish marketers. <laughs> All right, so I don't know. I don't know how true that is, but I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, it it does fit with the idea of <clears throat> corruption and, you know, blessing the world system and offending God because God doesn't I mean, God does not require us to eat fish on Friday. Um and so um so tonight, you know, as we're talking about this, this church in Pergamum, it's like, okay, so the word of God, the Lord says, okay, I know where you dwell, you know, where Satan's throne is. And, you know, it goes on talking about how they didn't deny him and there was martyr there in the mist. Uh, we talk Anip An Antipas, is that how you say that? Um, <clears throat> but he talks about the things he has against this church and it's compromised. And it's still compromised today. And I think it still applies today. And the Lord says to repent of it, right? Repent or else. Repent or else. I'm coming to you quickly. <laughs> and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. And you know, it's interesting today because if you dare as a person who has God's word speak up against the sin in the church or the bad theology in the church. Like I was sharing the other night about this Lutheran female pastor coming into my dad's assisted living and spouting off some baloney. You know, if, if you speak out against that with God's word and you say, okay, well back it up, then you're the bad guy. But you know what? It's the word of God that convicts people. It's the word of God that saves people. Yeah. When you look at the <clears throat> temptation of our Lord, I mean, battle, you know, hand to hand battle, if you will. With Satan himself, what was what was the weapon, you know, of war? It was the word, word of, God. of God, right? And of course, Satan tried to twist it and says, "Ah, that's the game we're playing." Well, it says, you know, you know that God will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. So let's go ahead and jump off the pinnacle of the temple, you know, because you know that's what the word of God says. But again, it's the whole counsel of the Word of God, not just a verse taken out of context. You know, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Uh, it says, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Just, you know, you take this thing, you can't take this one verse out of isolation, which Satan was trying to do, and say, hey, he'll, he'll you know, bury you up unless you dash your foot against a stone. Well, that's not a license to be reckless. <laughs> that's not, right. a, you know. So, you know, she don't tempt the Lord your God. At first it was, you know, here's the lust of the flesh, turn, you know, turn these stones into bread. Well, it's written, you should not live by bread alone, man should not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Oh, that's the game we're playing. Well, word of God says this, you know, bury your, bury your up, lest you dash your foot. Well, no, you can't take it out of context. 
Mr. Devil, Sean Tenth Ward, and then he like abandons it all together. Okay, you know, the pride of life. Just well, forget it. If you just bow down and worship me, mm -hmm. you know, you can have all this. But yeah, that's that's the even there as we were just reading in Revelation chapter twenty-two. I'll come and fight against them with, you know, my sword. And and that's the way to do battle with these things, these compromises that come into the church, and and it's not like we're um, abandoned by God and He's just left us His Word. You know, His Word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, it's backed by His Spirit, it's backed by His presence. So um, we need to wield the sword, and He shows up. And that's the way to deal with these things yep. in the church. That's right. Not not to go do battle with all the evil that exists in the world, but you know, judgment begins with the house of God, and we need to get that house in order. That's right. Okay, cat. Really? Okay. At nine o'clock. It's almost nine. It's that time of night when the cat decides he wants to talk to his mother. Yeah, you do. Want to say hi to everybody? Say hi. Go ahead. We're here for you. <laughs> How can you not love a cat? I mean, seriously, cats are awesome. Dogs are better. Just saying. No offense. But actually, I <laughs> I wrote I wrote a um I. I watched this really cute video this morning over on Snapchat, um, and um, it was about this little kitten that was sunburned, and he was abandoned by his mom. And anyway, this this is a total squirrel, people. Anyway, he, he was about that big, maybe a little bit bigger. But did you know that cats could get sunburned? Anyway, when it was little, it was very sunburned, and they didn't think it was going to live. Long story short, this woman rescued it. And uh, anyway... It was a really touching story, and, and the cat lived, and it's great, and all that. So anyway. <laughs> all right. Okay, so now Randall wants to pull this discussion into James chapter 4, and then we are going to get to this article on the LGBT movement and totalitarianism at yeah, some well, it point. Just, it just puts things in, in context when it comes to compromise um, in the church among mm -hmm. believers. Uh, James writes, he says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. And that may not be, you know, cold-blooded first degree. You know, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, that can be having hatred in your heart for a brother. Mm -hmm. uh, and you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Again, coming back to the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You know, well, I ask God for this and, you know, to be, you know, to have the, you know, the brand new car or the jet or whatever. And, well, what <laughs> what's your motive for that? It says you... Ask and do not see because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures, not for his glory, but for yours. Right. He says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility with God? Or the old King James says, enmity with God. 
it says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Jealousy can be good, friends. God's jealousy is a good jealousy. He wants us for himself. He doesn't want us to whore ourselves out to the, the lusts and ways of the world. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I'll go ahead and finish out the next two verses. You should. Go for it. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Amen. But double-mindedness, that is that, um, that is that compromise. And I've said this a thousand times to probably more than a thousand people. But as a young believer reading, um, well, actually reading James and the Gospels anyway, about, you know, he, James wrote, you know, to ask without doubting, uh, the one who doubts, let him not re- think he'll receive anything from God. Uh, and I struggle with that thinking, well, you know, my faith isn't like solid faith. You know, I'm jumping into the thin air. I'm walking out of the water. You know, I have my doubts. So if I ask something and I have a little bit of doubt that I shouldn't think I should receive anything from God, God's not going to, you know, answer my prayers until I'm 100% convicted. No, that's not the doubt that James is talking about. I'm a little bit of student of the Greek that doubt is this double-mindedness he's talking about. Well, I'm going to ask God for this, but if he doesn't come through, I've got plan B over here. I'll work it out this way. You know, <laughs> I love what JC was talking about, Balaam, you know, right. when they offered him a bunch of money to come and he's like, okay, I need to pray about it. And his version was, he goes in and tells his wife, start packing. I'm going to go ask God what he thinks. You know, it's like, well, I'm I'm preparing this plan over here, but you know, I'll be I'll be uh, I'll be spiritual about it, and you know, at least ask for the Lord's blessings on my plan. And that's the whole idea of don't you know let him ask of faith, not doubting. He who doubts is like one driven driven by the wind, because like yeah, a little bit of God, a little bit of this, a little bit of you know compromise, and then it comes down to this all the way in chapter four, you know. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You know, resist devil. If you're, don't, none of this double-mindedness. Friend of the world. Oh, I can be friend of the world and friend with God. No, you can't. Who makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. And that, and that is God's word right there. I mean, yeah. that's, and... It doesn't mean you can't, you can't love the people in the world, that you can't benefit from, you know, clean air and clean water and things the world offers. But the world system, you know, that you're in it, you know, asking God, you ask a mess so that you might spend things in your own pleasure. And it's about me and my pleasure. Then that's being a friend of the world. God bless my pleasure. Fulfill my dreams for my life. Fulfill my plans for my life. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, it's the whole twisted theology of today where, you know, and I hear this a lot and, and it's from more than one circle. It's, it's, it's like, you know what, this, it's all about you people. It is everything. It's about you, especially in the church. It's totally about you. It's about, Hey, when you go to the church, it's about how you feel about that worship music. Yeah, it is. Makes you feel good. Doesn't it? Wait, wait a minute. If it doesn't make you feel good, then you must be in the wrong church. Because they're not catering to your worldly desire. Oh, wait, it's a godly desire. It's worship music I like. I can't worship to that other stuff. You know, or it's about, you know, how you, you like things being presented to you, you know, um, spiritually. Like, for example, <clears throat> I guarantee if I were to do an experiment in today's seeker-sensitive churches, and I brought out the teaching of Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum or the teaching of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who I mentioned a couple weeks ago, and said, okay, class, let's sit here and listen to Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum for an hour or Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones for an hour, it would drive most of those people nuts because it's solid Bible theological, it's meat of God's word. It's not this fluff, fill in the blank crap uh, that has nothing really ultimately to do with God's word. Um, but see, that's what the church is today, the, the apostate church. I'm not going to say that's the whole church. I will say that there are some good solid Bible churches out there still in America, it, but you got to find them <laughs> because cause they're hard to find. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, 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 a friend of mine here locally, they go to a very popular church. I'm not going to name it. Um, but they were telling me that recently the pastor called out, uh, the Muslim woman who was bagging on Donald Trump and basically called out this person and, and, um, said, uh, you know, that we're coming after you. And, you know, and basically this man exhorted and basically more or less called Islam what it is from the pulpit. And I said, wow, I really like to, to hear that. She said, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to go back and listen to it too. So I went to our church website and I don't know what service it was that they posted the, the sermon on, but it wasn't in the sermon that they posted. And I thought, dang, if I was the pastor and I really meant that, I would have went ahead and said, make sure that this, this service that you recorded, that would have been the one posted on the internet. You know, maybe it was an accident. I don't know. Maybe they have a protocol. The point is, is that, is that still there isn't the boldness of Christ in a lot of believers that there really needs to be. One of the things that the Bible talks about is how greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And I think that this has layers of meaning to it. I mean, I think it's very obvious what it means, but I also think that there's an idea of... If you're being tempted by God, then greater is he, if you're not being tempted by God, if you're being tempted by the devil, then greater is he who is in you, the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world who's tempting you. You have the power with the Holy Spirit to overcome that temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it is to cave to the temptation. Bible tells us to resist the devil, and he will flee from you, which means, guess what? The devil's coming after you, at least if you're holy enough. If you're never under attack spiritually, um, you know, then 
I doubt you're doing anything effectively for God's kingdom. And that is the other issue. Are you really being attacked by the devil? Or is it some of your stupid behavior or your stupid decisions that you make um, that you blame on God, on the devil? You know, oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, the devil's after me. And I always wonder when I hear this, you know, Satan's after me. My enemies are after me. And I'm like, who are your enemies? I mean, are you, are you D.L. Moody? <laughs> you know? are, are you, uh, are you actually out there witnessing, sharing the gospel with people? Or is it you're just being stupid and your problems you're saying are an attack from the devil when in reality they're not, you know, sometimes people, it's not the devil. Sometimes it's your own flesh, but see, the church doesn't talk about that either. Don't want to talk about the flesh, you know, because that would mean, <gasps> wait, wait for it. You have to take some personal responsibility. I was going to say, or just like responsibility. Oh, my car broke down. The, the devil's after me. Okay. We know like, when's the last time you changed the oil? Change the oil. What? When's the, <laughs> you know, never have a service. Never, you know. Just abused the car. Oh, car broke down. Well, I, I can't afford that. I can't afford to get the oil changed in my car. But, you know, you can afford Starbucks twice a day. Hey, Sean. You know, five days a week. But, you know, just priorities and irresponsibility and those things come to bite you. Right. The consequences of irresponsibility. And some of those people say, oh, the devil's attacking me. But, right. Or there's a devil under every rock or whatever. I mean, that was really common in the vineyard, actually, mm -hmm. you know. But, you know, so so there's that. And then if you look at relationships, the area of relationships, I read some uh, online today. Somebody was posting online, I wish I had more friends to text. And I texted them back. I said, try being a better friend and you will. You know, I mean, you want friends, be a friend. Communicate with people, you know. I mean... You can't hide behind, you know, ignorance. You're not stupid. You're an adult, right? I mean, most of you are that watch this anyway. You know, and so, so anyway, so um, moving on through this book here, though. Uh, well, anyway, we'll just stop there. Yeah, because we really should get to this article and actually tie it in because there is massive compromise in the church today, especially with the LGBT issue. Uh, because a lot of the apostate church believes that this is acceptable and it's not. It's just, you know, and I have very close friends who completely disagree with me on this issue. And I'm like, okay, you can read God's word and interpret it your way. And I will read God's word and interpret what it just says, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, you can love me or hate me, but that's kind of where it's at. So anyway, this article, um, prophecynewswatch.com. It's titled LGBT Movement Goes Beyond Acceptance uh, to Seeking Totalitarian Power. So, and I don't know who it's written by, but it says here, as the culture wars heat up between the American left and right, progressive journalists are increasingly falling back on a powerful and succinct statement to push the public into uh, a... Nostalgia? How do you spell that? That's the okay. word I'm saying. Nostalgia for the Obama years. This isn't normal. <laughs> None of this they write and tweet and blog endlessly. 
is normal. Not the erratic presidential tweets, not the belligerent presidential tone, not that they claim, not what they claim is Trump's treasonous behavior. I'm not unsympathetic to many of the arguments being made about civility, decorum, and the rest of the things that keep George Will up at night, but I do think that the media are engaging in a sophisticated game of gaslighting in the meantime. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> what the media is doing while shrieking about our vanishing standards of normalcy is waging an all-out war on the idea of the male-female gender binary itself. What well, I just have to say, that cracks me up that we even use the term binary now. Like, when, when I grew up, the word binary was a math term that just generally stayed within the math thing. Now here it's being applied to gender. Like, yeah, male and female. There's two. Yeah, that's it. It just sounds so super cool to throw the word binary in there. <laughs> well, it's necessary. Otherwise, people <laughs> know, think we're just, talking about the it's stupid, 37 though. different I know, genders. but I just think it's stupid. Anyway, all right. Well, I anyway, while they are highlighting the abnormal nature of a president who tweets out, uh, spur-of-the-moment policy. They are pushing child drag queens and transgender children and pregnant, quote, men, unquote, and, quote, women, unquote, with penises, as if these things were not an absolutely revolutionary attack on the so social fabric of the West. We are supposed to believe that a president lashing out at the media is a catastrophic assault on the way things were, and a child drag queen is a symbol of our liberation. When I write about the latest manifestations of transgender ideology, some people ask a very reasonable question. Why can't we just ignore all this stuff? I've heard that. I, I actually was talking to somebody this past week, and they're like, yeah, I just ignore it all. We don't talk to those people or about those people. And I'm like, that's part of the problem. <laughs> Too many following the media's strange humanist, human interest stories about Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner feeling broody so, yeah. and wanting children with a partner a half century younger seems like Jerry Springer style voyeurism and in many ways that's what it is but it is important to realize that the media are utilizing America's obsession with the valid lives of celebrities vapid vapid, vapid li you know what that's what I thought it said but it didn't come out right <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to read an article when you some got, people say vapid? You have a lot of people like looking at you. You know, I really don't like to read out loud people, but I do it every time I'm on the show. <laughs> anyway, I just didn't want people to think celebrities' lives were valid. Right. Okay. <laughs> Definitely vapid or vapid, as some people say. Vapid lives of celebrities. <laughs> To normalize transgenderism, pretty soon things that once made people gasp will make them shrug. That's already starting to happen. People who once, who were once outraged by drag queen story time and gender ideology in schools are becoming desensitized. Yep, that's the plan. And off after the ball, yep. go watch my series, The Marketing of Homosexuality to America. People, they called it flooding, raining. If you if if they do it long enough, you'll just get used to getting wet, and then you won't care. Um, the media are, are flooding are flooding the airwaves with nonstop stories that would have been unthinkable a decade ago. The Pasadena Star News ruminated about whether the city might be open to nominating a transgender rose queen, 
A story virtually created by the media, a journalist asks an official whether it might be considered. The official responds with ambiguous language, and there's your trans transgender story. Another story outlined the fact that, quote, sperm production for transgender women, oh my gosh, unquote, might yet be possible, while Victoria's Secret announced that they hired a transgender lingerie model, a biological male presenting as a woman. Oh, and by the way, I should also say, I know it's not in this article, but are you guys aware that Playboy is coming back in vogue now? The, the, porno the pornography magazine, Playboy? I read that. It's kind of tied into this, actually, because back in the olden days, Playboy was like, oh, well, we just read it for the articles. That's what they say. And the centerfold, whatever. Ah, we don't look at that. That's just, pff, that's just a little part of why we read Playboy. Well, anyway, if you're interested in the history of that, you can go check it out. But whatever. Um, it says here, a couple in Berkeley, California, came out to announce that both of their children at ages four and eight were transgender and that they were going to going public to normalize hormone blockers and the rest of the devastating treatments that view puberty or puberty, pu puberty, puberty as a threat. Um, not a day goes by without one media outlet or another pushing a story that treats the transgender ideology as fact. I'm not sure precisely when the media moguls met behind closed doors and collectively decided to begin using phrases like her penis and his breasts. Probably when Jeffrey Epstein was alive, they did that. Maybe he was in the meeting. Who knows? But a quick look at any article dealing with the transgender issue lately proves that such meetings and such directives did, in fact, happen. Happen. What we're seeing with this calculated media campaign, even with the crazy transgender celebrity stories, is an effort to overload a skeptical public until they go from recoiling to rolling their eyes. That's what they did with the gay thing, people. Mm -hmm. But politics is downstream from culture and the LGBT movement is not simply seeking acceptance. They are demanding a particu particularly totalitarian form of power. I don't enjoy writing about the transgender insanity that is gripping the West, especially not when it involves keeping up with these sorts of stories. But it is essential that we recognize what is going on here. While they rage about Trump's tweets and advocate for a return to normalcy, the left is attempting to normalize an ideology that fundamentally appends our understanding of family, gender, society, and humanity itself. This is nothing short of a revolution, and the consequences of this revolution will be the destruction of our society as we know it. People. And it's true. It's absolutely true, because they did it. They did it with the homosexual issue. They did it with, uh, they, they did it with transgenderism. What do you think is next, people? Let's see. Should we wildly speculate? Could it be bestiality? Nope. You know what it is? I already know what it is. Yeah. It's pedophilia. Yeah. It's already there. They're, they are now out there normalizing or trying to attempt to normalizing pedophilia. That's exactly what they're doing. You watch. Not only, not only have they redefined the language of pedophilia to, to, to get us not to use that word, but to say minor attractive persons instead. But, you know, 
the perverts out there, they want to push the age of consent uh, with children to a lower, a lower number, thereby forgetting or not giving a crap about the fact that children's brains are not fully developed until they're about 25 years old. And so, of course, anybody older, just like the older predators in the homosexual lobby, prey on the younger, you know, why not have the older man prey on the younger girl, you know? And I don't mean like five years or 10 years or even 20 years. I'm talking 40 years, 50 years difference. You know, and it's interesting because if you look at what's going on politically, right? So the suicide, murder, whatever of Jeffrey Epstein. Why do you think, think about it. Why do you think that was such a big issue in the first place? Okay, I mean, the issue, not not that he died, but why he died what he was in prison for in the first place. Now, if Pizzagate and all those things that we hear about from the, quote, fringy people of the world, you know, is accurate and there's sex pedophile, sex trafficking rings all over the place, you know, then who is the number one hater and the people who want to push the morality on the world saying that that's not right and acceptable when you got leaders and billionaires and people in power, the elite pushing this crap. Do you seriously think, think about this. Do you seriously think that any media that promotes pedophilia the way that they're putting it out now is done on accident? You realize that these people fund this stuff, right? And not only do they fund it and they're, and trying to normalize it the way that they do, but the underground dark web, the pornography world, pornography is all over the place, right? And I am a survivor of being abused by pornography. Uh, my perpetrator actually, and I've shared this before, when I was a little girl, he took pictures of me and thank God, and I do, that, you know, the internet wasn't around when I was a little kid. So the pictures of me that only the police saw you know, they're not out there for the whole world to see. But the abuse that's been documented, um, Justin Berry, a number of years ago, is probably, gosh, 15 years ago, maybe? Justin Mary, Berry, Justin Berry, actually um, testified in front of Congress about being, um, what's the word? picked up basically through the internet, right? Where these perverts were, you know, picking up, picking them up and stuff. And, and he explained some of the things that they did to groom him. And, and then there was other testimony where they were talking about how, you know, there was infant rape, underground pornography, where, where these perverts will actually take pictures of children and they use them like trading baseball cards you know, oh, do you have this and that? You know, and, and sometimes if you actually track these stories, and I did for a while, I kind of stopped because I got, I got really disgusted with it. But, you know, they, you know, once in a while, they'll find somebody, they'll bust somebody for pornography um, possession, and they'll see that they have millions, you know, or hundreds of thousands of pictures of pornography on their computer, and it's child pornography, you know, and that's what makes it a more egregious crime because it's children 
But you know what the, the 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 sickening part, even more sickening than all that is, is that they can't do anything to get those kids. And yet, you know, one of the dangers years ago when I was teaching, um, when I was a therapist, and I was teaching internet safety to people. This was way before there was a webcam in every computer. One of the things that I taught was never get a webcam. Don't hook it up to your computer, especially with a kid. And don't let that kid be on a webcam by himself in his own room. Because what these perverts do, what they were doing, and I know they're still doing it, is they would go, hey, Joey or whoever, you know, or, or Jane or whoever the girl's name is. They would, they would get out there and they would say, okay, hey, would you uh, take off your shirt for me so I could see, you know, what your chest looks like or whatever. And then they would do that and then they would slowly groom these kids. They would send them a, a Game Boy or whatever it was. They would mail it to the, to the kid's house and gradually groom. And that's what happened with Justin Barry as he, he testified about this, you know, and how he was seduced by these people. We live in a hellish world today. And, you know, people will bring up the Vatican and the Catholic Church and also the the Protestant church, let's just say a lot of the church with the perverts hiding right there in plain sight, you would never know it, but they're there and they're the ones online using pornography, abusing pornography and, um, producing pornography. And it's really easy to do that in secret without any accountability from anybody. Um, because it's so easy to do it. Right. But you know what? God sees it. And the way God is going to use the church, I think, is if the church, number one, remains holy, be set apart, you keep your mind out of that stuff. And I am going to tell you, somebody, as a middle-aged woman, I will tell you unequivocally, without shame or embarrassment, that if you're indulging in pornography in any form, stop it. Because you know what? You're hurting yourself spiritually but you're also abusing the people who are already abused in that pornography. It's doing nothing for you and God does not approve of it. Um, get yourself away from it. I don't give a crap how hard it is. I don't care what your addiction is. God can help you with it. And there are programs out there that can help you with it. But you're playing with fire, you know. And the Bible talks all through the book of Proverbs. You know, it, it speaks specifically to the issue of adultery, you know, and not getting ensnared in the trap of the adulteress, right? Don't getting, not getting seduced by that. But let me tell you something, that adulteress doesn't have to be a physical person that you're committing adultery with. If you're engaging in pornography, I don't care if you're married or not, you are fornicating and sinning against your body and God by doing that. And you're not going to be an effective witness or anything for God's kingdom if you're calling yourself a believer and you're engaging in that behavior, you know? Um, and I'm not casting judgment. I'm just telling you the truth. You know, if the church is going to make inroads and expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness, then you can't be engaged with that stuff. You just can't because it's criminal, first of all. And they're actually trying to also decriminalize that, you know? I don't know, Randall, you have any Thoughts on that? Yeah, you're spot on. That's, I mean, it's already in the work. Same playbook, as you've pointed out dozens of times. You know, minor attracted persons 
that's the new that's the new orientation or you know the latest in the alphabet soup of sexual anarchy um i was over here reading about the the parents with the two transgender children and it just uh it's i mean that's a child abuse on a whole nother level you know parents who entrusted you know with the welfare of their children and and using them as pawns really these kids didn't they're obviously indoctrinated by the sexual anarchists you know no no seven-year-old comes about this you know discovering my true self and has any really concept of gender sexuality you know it, and well any parent that's doing that to their kids should have their kids taken away i agree totally that is and yeah what's screw, happening is screw them up anymore they obviously have some problems well but see that the christians are getting their kids taken away though because they're opposing it they're right yeah because they're filling their head with dangerous ideas about <laughs> reality and not letting them live a fantasy life right that will never be come to fruition you can play you can you know play you know make believe and dress up to the point of doing radical cosmetic surgery but in the end it doesn't fix anything right. you know i mean we mentioned walt higher and the dozens that he's talked to it doesn't fix it just creates greater problems right actually you know i'll be having i i need to get the the other guest that um darren recommended actually we have him i just need mm. to get that get it set up we need to get him on the show to talk about his what he went through um mm. in that but let's look at some questions here and then we need to uh, thank our sponsors here Indeed. Um, so uh let's see i'm going to scroll up a little bit i'm going to go ahead and scroll quite a bit you guys are making some comments here so let me Pull it closer so I can see it. Okay, so I guess I'll start here. Angie says, absolutely, but not all LGBT plus are on board. That's that's true. Oh, absolutely. Some Hollywood actors and runaway models are. It's crazy. I hate pedophiles with a passion, Hannah says. Coincidence, what black is associated with evil, that black rather is associated with evil, and then we had a black president. Well, I think that's a bigoted comment. Yeah. Um, I think I think regardless of his skin color, he was a crappy president. Bill Clinton was a crappy president, and he was white. So um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Hannah says, Prince Andrew should be persecuted queen is protecting her son do you mean prosecuted i think you mean prosecuted don't you not persecuted um keto bill trying to make society think it's cool to have sex with pre prepubescent kids is sick i agree the democratic party booed god at their national convention in 2012 not once but three times um that is actually true god will punish this when it comes to pass yeah let's see here Probably even the Pope at some point and in some way was involved in pedophilia. Um, yeah, that's just like the understatement, right? I mean, the Pope and the Vatican, they do nothing but cover for all these people. So Hannah said, I just finished reading Belinda Gates. The moment of lift spoke about child marriages. You mean Melinda Gates? 
I haven't read the book, but I've heard a lot about it. Um, let's see. I'm not going to say that. True, many Christian men have trouble with internet pornography. Help must be fully pursued. But you know what? Women do too. That's the thing. The increase in pornography with w addiction with women is huge. Um, um, yeah, it is bigoted. I know you're saying it's not bigoted that you said Obama was black and all that. It's an observation. It's You don't have to pull skin color into the topic of morality. You know, first of all, none of us can pick what color we are anyway. You know, morality is morality. It has nothing to do with your skin color. <clears throat> I mean, I don't even know where you got that idea. So, but anyway, so, but let me say this, you know, Ariel Ministries um, sponsors our show. And uh, we want to thank them for doing that. You guys probably see the ticker right there where it says right there, intensive Bible teaching from a Messianic Jewish perspective. You can use the coupon code Bible News right there when you go to Ariel.org. <clears throat> and um, you can buy anything in the store. I actually recommend, um, you know, if you want to get any of their, their stuff on sexuality, they actually have a whole teaching on, um, you know, they have a whole teaching on uh, the Song of Solomon, you know, and you can check that out. You know, if you want to look at that, do a Bible study on that, you can, you can do that. Actually see what the the issue is about. You know, some of you might not want to get that, though, until you're married. Don't want to stumble you or anything, but, um, uh, or, like, I recommend the highlights of the life of Christ from a Messianic Jewish perspective. Great book. They also have the new Israelology. Is that right, Randall? the the bridge version um it it is or is that the revelation version no it there is an abridged version of israelology but it's got a different name okay. um hmm. I'll, I'll do a little research and come back right back okay all right anyway so there's that uh the other um thing you you can do if you'd like is join our text message list uh if you text bible news to 33222 and again if you miss that that's down there in the ticker you know if you text uh the term bible news together to 33222 uh you can join our our text message list be notified when our show is on we were having a little trouble this morning i don't know what was going on with my server but uh the service wasn't texting it out but it did for tonight's show um Okay, so the the new thing is called What the Bible Teaches About Israel, Past, Present, and Future, and a bridged version of yeah. <laughs> Israelology, the Missing Link, and Systematic Theology. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's it's not that thick at all. It's probably about an inch thick, the book, so it's not that bad. Um, but it's really good. Randall started Only 380 it. pages. Okay, yeah. $24. Yep. It's a hardcover book. It's hardcover hardcover book for under 30 bucks is well it's under 25 bucks yeah i know i'm just saying the hardcover book for under 30 is somewhat rare for under 25 more so and then another 20 percent with the bible news coupon yep you'll save another four dollars and 80 cents almost five bucks yeah. so 24 minus Brings five 19 dollars and change yeah. that's what you can get that book for i don't know what the shipping is though <clears throat> but you know what? These make great books and gifts for your pastor and yourself. 
So there is that. Also, if you want to donate to the show, we appreciate any and all donations. You can do that by being a pillar of the community or just donating at your little heart's content whenever you want. Uh, I want to thank Danielle for donating to us last night. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, and you can do that if you go to our website, biblenewsradio.com um, forward slash give. Um, you could do that. And then uh, the other way um, you could support the show, but even more so help yourself is by becoming a member of Legal Shield or getting some identity theft protection through us. Um, <clears throat> in fact, what was it you said this morning? What was the the thing, Randall? Help a child. What was it that you you said? Help a child protect yourself. Help a child and protect yourself. Yeah, yeah that's this this month's motto because this month, Ladies of Justice has a initiative where um, if if I get five sales this month, then I can be entered into a drawing to help a child. Uh, you know, win a two hundred fifty dollar gift card. Um, and or if I have five meetings, you know, and just share what my service is with somebody, then I can put your name in for that. And then we, once I get five, then I get a ticket to enter in to help Camp Horizon, which is a camp here locally in Tennessee. It's a nonprofit <clears throat> that, um, that is a camp for kids with cancer. And not just the kids with cancer, but also their siblings who are often overlooked uh, by the families because the poor little siblings, you know, sibling has cancer. So um, I fell in love with this this uh, uh, nonprofit because they care about all the kids, not just the kids with cancer. Um, so if you want to help me do that, if you're interested in the membership, learning more about it, then what was it you were going to say, Randall? About what? How were you going to have people get in touch with me? Well, what are, whatever your preference is. Do you want them to text a term to your phone number or well yeah you could okay so but then they need my phone number right mm. which is online well it's online i don't care okay mm. well you want to put the phone number up and then you can say text the term what what the term is the term okay so the term text, is the term like text. the word is the okay my I, favorite think, word. I think we said um we didn't camp I mean, right okay text the word camp yeah. to my cell phone you guys all have my phone number anyway. <laughs> and if you don't, well, then you're about to get it. So here's my number. It's 714-244-6890. I think Bareface is going to put it up on the screen, right? Yeah, I am. Okay. So if you want to help me reach this goal in order to get these entries so that we can win a chance at getting this gift card for these kids, Camp Horizon, then text me at that phone number. Just text CAMP. Uh, and then I'll text you back. We can set up a time to talk about Legal Shield and ID Shield because I have to legitimately talk to you about it. I'm not going to like put in fake entries or anything. But here's the thing, you guys, and this is, I'm just being honest. Don't text me if you don't really want to know about the service or the you know you're not interested because I I'm really busy and I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste your time. Just so you know, okay? But you can keep that up for a while, I guess. So, so if you want to know, if you want help so that you can help me with the kids, text CAMP to my phone number there. If you are watching the replay, you can do that as well. And I will call you back or I'll text you back and we'll figure out a time to meet up on, on Zoom or something like that. Okay? Sound like a plan? All right. Okay. 
And in the meantime, I would also ask you to pray for these kids at Camp Horizon because um, we actually are raising money for them. And um, there is actually a, um, a cornhole tournament that takes place in a couple of days. Um, and we're happy to sponsor that camp. So, by the way, you could actually, if you wanted to uh, go there and donate directly for, to Camp Horizon, uh, if you go to camphorizontn.org, if you're interested in looking at the website, you might want to put that up bareface. Um, you can just go there directly and donate if you'd like. As soon as the page flips. <laughs> so you can see, you can check it out. You can see this is a legit nonprofit I'm talking about. Um, and it's a unique children's oncology camp. Um, and it's under the, the, you can see the cornhole fundraiser that's taking place. And you can... You can look there. And, and if you're in Tennessee, Peck, you can actually go ahead and do that. So so I am a silver sponsor this year for the tournament. Um, I'm not actually sure how they're displaying that or anything. But, you know, Bible News Radio wanted to help out. So uh, trying to give back to the kids, you know. I love kids. You know, I teach Awana and... Uh, you know, I did a lot of counseling when I was a therapist with kids and a lot of kids, you know, need, they just need to have fun. You know, and you know, the other thing about kids with cancer that I think is amazing is how brave they are, you know, um, and the parents of these kids, you know, just imagine the, the joy that they have being able to help these kids go to camp and, and all that. So Anyway, so there you go, camphorizontennessee.org if you're interested in that. You know what, and here's the other thing. If you decide to donate just directly to them, that's super cool. Let me know. Text me camp and say, hey, I donated. Just at least I know, you know, and that's just as good for me as well. So, um, yeah. Now for something completely different. Yes. Just backtracking. Mm-hmm. Gotta love the hair, right? The headphone hair. You're um, super hot. What can I say? Going back on YouTube, uh, Jeff had said, had typed rather, Lewis Carroll was a groomer. Oh, yeah. Going talk, and I'm like, what the heck? And doing a little research over here. Apparently, there's some debate on whether or not he was a pedophile or not. There's some big ambiguity about it. But Well, uh, you know Nair, who watches our show? 23 years old, she she uh, posted something in our Daily Disciples group. And I removed it because the F word was very prominent at the beginning of it. Mm. But it was a whole video about Shirley Temple and how when she was really little, like three, four, five, around there, she was in some movies that were um, uh, very suggestive sexually. Um, and, you know, it was interesting. And I don't wow. have the, I don't have the link. I'll have to find the link, but... But the YouTuber that did this piece about this, when they were laying it out and showing the clips that she was talking about, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was so subtle and yet obvious at the same time. And you know what? Disney has, you know, yeah, Yeah. anyway, our world is not nice to kids or women or men. It's not nice to anybody. Whoever would be a friend with the world makes themselves an enemy with God. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there you are, people. That's uplifting, isn't it? Uh, okay. What else? Oh, Temple Institute. Yeah. All right. So there's another article I wanted to read you guys. This is cool. Uh, Temple Institute. This is on prophecynewswatch.com. It's titled Temple Institute to Jews Worldwide Build the Third Temple. Now, this is cool. Now, I have to, you know, I'm. I know we you want to get through with no, this, but uh, I was talking talk. about you know the temple come being the third temple. I guess uh, you're going to talk about the fourth temple. I know. I know. I just wondered why why the temple built during Zerubbabel's time is just dissed. I mean, granted, it wasn't Solomon's temple, and uh, you know, certainly wasn't Herod's temple. Have you read what Arnold has said about it? Maybe you should do your research. Maybe. It's just, you know, what they talk about, the third temple is really the fourth. There was Solomon's, that was the first. You know, that fell Babylon. And then when they came back with Nehemiah and all that, they built another, probably not the greatest. That would have been two, but talks about that. And then the, then the one, <sighs> you know, under Herod the Great, which was standing at the time of, of Yeshua. And then that, of course, was destroyed by the Roman armies. And, um, anyway, so they talk about the third temple and I'm like, what about, anyway, back to you. Back to me, people. I don't know. How many of you feel tired? <laughs> I feel tired. Just so you know. All right. So let's get on with this article. Okay. It says here, um, the Temple Institute has, re has released a powerful new video to awaken world Jewry and reframe the traditional period of mourning into one of preparation for the rebuilding of the third holy temple. Although millions of Jews worldwide will fast on the 9th of Av, observed this year on August 11th, which is today, by the way, and strictly adhere to the other... How do you say that? Um, to the other halakhic? Halakhic requirements of mourning, the destruction of the two holy temples... For too many, the concept of rebuilding the temple is like far, like a faraway dream. These are the people the Temple Institute wishes to awaken from their slumber. The video is the seventh in the series, which began as The Children Are Ready, which has accumulated over one million views on the Temple Institute's YouTube page. See below. The video challenges the viewers' preconceptions of Tish. Ba'av as a day of eternal mourning, evoking Isaiah's promise that the third temple is the secret of world peace and harmony and the hope of all mankind and, and is, shall be at the end of days, that the mountain of the temple of Hashem will be firmly established as the head of the mountains and will be exalted above all the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Indeed. The video presents a dramatic twist from the usual Tishba'av messages of mourning, the Institute's goal is to emotionally shake up Orthodox Jewish communities worldwide by reframing the holiday, focusing, focusing away from the past and towards the future. The idea is for people to focus on the true meaning of Tishba'av, said Rabbi Kayam Richman, International Director of the Temple Institute. Tishba'av is not just about mourning, it's about the about acting to bring the Holy Temple back to the world, a house of prayer for all nations. 
Every year, millions of Jews worldwide robotically observe the morning rituals of the three weeks, nine days, and Tishbaab as if nothing has changed in the last century. Meanwhile, we are losing our connection to the Temple Mount because most Orthodox Jewry have ignored the fact that it has been in Jewish hands for five decades. It's time to vote with our feet and send a clear message to the world that we truly believe that the Temple Mount is ours, and we truly hope and pray for a time of unparalleled world peace and harmony with the rebuilding of the Third Temple. This new video is emotional and visual, and it, this new video... Sorry, my dog distracted me. <laughs> it, this new video is an emotional and visual tool to awaken the world Jewry, this Tishbaab and have them internalize the message that the dream of 2,000 years is finally within our reach. The Temple Institute is the center of research and preparation for the Holy Temple, in addition to educational activity focused on the centrality of the Temple Mount and Holy Temple. They have also recreated over 60 sacred vessels for use in the Third Holy Temple, which can be seen at their visitor center in the old city of Jerusalem. Now, what I can tell you, having friends who are rabbis over there at Israel 365, um, and having had a couple of Orthodox Jews on our show to talk about this issue, is that they're waiting. You know, they're ready for their Messiah to come back. Um, some of them, though, believe that it won't be him coming back, but they're waiting for him to show up the first time. Um, by the way, that is the big debate, in case you didn't know that. Uh, so, but we know from Scripture that Christ also known as Yeshua, is coming back. And uh, I think that, um, I think we live in great days. I mean, we definitely live in the end of times. We don't talk about Israel enough. We might be doing that more. Um, and what's going on there, I mean, with Israel. Israel is amazing. If you want to, if you, if, if you're an atheist and you don't believe God exists, then explain Israel. <laughs> you know, because... Well, if you're an atheist, you might hate Israel just because they're Jewish. But lay that aside and just look at the history of Israel and then explain to me how that happened. So, you have thoughts on that? Talking to me? Yeah, because the significance oh. of the temple. Yeah. But... Just so you guys know, the significance of the temple being rebuilt is that when it's rebuilt, then the Antichrist has a place to sit. Right. To declare that he's God of the world. And and often, as has been the case for millennia, people looking at prophecies and looking at uh, prophecies and kind of seeing them as um, simultaneous rather than sequential, which is why many had a problem with Messiah's first coming, even though he fulfilled lots of prophecies when he took the scroll of Isaiah and read it about the day of the Lord he only read partial only part of it about the the lame walking the blind receiving their sight and you know proclaiming right you know he didn't talk about by the way Antoinette Joy and Keto Bill thank you for coming in and Michael thank you for being there as well I know I probably didn't get everybody but anyway Anyway, there were prophecies that will that were fulfilled with the first coming, including you know taking care of, of the sin of mankind, the reconciliation, the one mediator between God and man, the man, 
mm-hmm. Christ Jesus, the Messiah Yeshua. And then there are prophecies of his second coming, which they look as was alluded to in Isaiah about uh, unprecedented world peace and harmony, you know, with uh, surrender uh, centered around the temple. And indeed, there will be, and there has to be a temple standing there. But uh, there, the the assumption is just by having the temple there, that you know that's going to usher in the the peace and harmony. And indeed, there will be for <laughs> when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. There will be a, a time of uh, seeming peace, but that of which Isaiah speaks, if you look at all of the prophecies concerning the future, those that haven't been fulfilled, it's about the, you know, millennial kingdom. It is about, it's not about the temple itself, but who occupies the temple, you know, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's, um, that's the important part. I think of, um, you know, I think of, we got a few minutes here. You can put yourself on. All right. You know, I think about um, um, uh, Jeremiah. I can't think of the particular chapter and verse, but through Jeremiah, the Lord says, "You shall no longer, you shall no longer say this." You know, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord of these, and that they were uh, the the existence of the temple. This was before the Babylonian conquest. The existence of the temple was their sign, if you will, that God was for them and the relationship with God was good. But the message delivered through Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, um, you know, was totally the opposite. The destruction was coming and was pretty much inevitable, but, you know, get yourselves right with the Lord. But... You know, the, the temple had become a substitute for the presence of the Lord, the actual well. Since the temple is where God dwells, and we have the temple here, then God must be pleased with us and dwell with us. And the message of Jeremiah was, you know, the, you know, the Holy Spirit up and left a long time ago. And, you know, just having a building is is, is not a sign of favor from God. And in fact... It was in a short time within Jeremiah's warnings. Well, not really warnings. They were declarations that judgment was coming uh, from the Babylonian kingdom. And indeed, that temple was destroyed. But And we see a similar thing with the what I guess folks would consider the, the second temple, which I would call it the third. But anyway, Herod's temple, the one built during the the rulership of Herod the Great, you know, we see in John chapter 4 that you know, the discussion with the unnamed woman at the well, the, the Samaritan, that is the the, the part Jewish person, and I'm going to get into the whole relationship with Jews and Samaritans and all that, but, right. you know, she says, well, you Jews say the Trump temple is where one ought to worship, you know, we say, you know, the, this mountain here would have been Mount Samaria, or actually, Samaria was built on the mountain, um, Mount, um, well, come on, anyway, uh, 
you know, but the, even then there was this identification with with the place of of worship rather than the person of worship, rather than you know the god of worship. Uh, even then, and there's this uh, similar push of of that um, these days. You know, well, if we just had the temple, the temple is going to usher in this uh, this peace and harmony and stop war, and the, we're going to build the temple for you know Messiah to eventually reign. That if you know if you build it, he will come. Well, he will come, but it's not because. Because you've built the place, um, it's you know he's coming uh, to establish his reign and prevent uh, the you know the, the destruction, the ultimate destruction of all humanity. And as Yeshua himself said, you will not you know uh, as he's weeping over Jerusalem. He says that you know, you know, he'll not come again until they say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord," as opposed to crucify him, crucify him. Um, so it's not building a place that ushers in the Messiah; it's the receiving and wanting, wanting actually him to come again. That sets up his kingdom, not build it, he will come. Make room in your hearts. In fact, if we're going to look at Isaiah's prophecies, in Isaiah chapter, I want to say 61, no, it's almost 930. Yep. Anyway, you know, where's the house you shall be built for me? You know, heaven is heaven is my throne, it's at my footstool, where's the house you'll build for me? Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How'd I end up back here? Hello, people. My dog's bugging me. Yeah, he is. All right. Well, people, thank you for uh, joining us for tonight's show. I hope you have a good night's rest. I, for one, I think I'm going to sleep great because I'm super tired. Um, but I hope you have a good week. I hope you enjoyed what we covered today. Don't forget, you can go join our uh, text message list. Text Bible News to 33222. You can, of course, text me the word camp. <laughs> My phone number, 714-244-6890. Or um, if you uh, um, want to join, this is the other thing I forgot. If you want to join my unstuck club call, this is for people who really want to get unstuck. This is a very structured call. Uh, you can text Team Unstuck to 33222 as well. Um, or just get in touch with me and I'll add you to the list. If, if you're somebody who wants to actually do the work, if you're interested in hanging out on a call, being anonymous, not participating, I don't want you on it because it's just because you'll be stuck. That's, you know, this is a participatory call um, to be on. So anyway, so with that said, you know, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere else, Bible News Radio, Instagram, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you later. I'm tired, people. <laughs> so, good night. Remember, be bold, stand up, and go with God, because he loves you.